We honor a country music legend with an archive interview today on the Music Universe podcast. How's it going, Matt? Good. How's your 2022 going? Yeah, you know, uh, all kinds of drama. (laughs) (laughs) All kinds of different things going on. And we got a jam-packed month coming up. By the time you're listening to this, we'll be about two weeks out from... Uh, from my trip out to you, we're going to do a bunch of different things in California just as friends. And then we're in Vegas, we're seeing Garth again. Mm-hmm. And then we're, uh, then I'm flying home. And then a couple weeks later, I will be back out to you again for more Garth, probably. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's very strange. I've never been to this many concerts in such a little time. It kicks mm-hmm. off on the fourth with Garth with the solo show. Likely yep. gonna check out Tim Allen. Oh, oh, oh! The next night, and then uh, I've got to take the kid to see twice, possibly twice. Funny enough, in um, L.A. Twice. Let, let's clarify for everybody: not possibly twice is in there. Possibly gonna go see twice. They might go see twice. They are gonna go see twice at least once. Right. But they might go see twice, twice. Yeah, two times. Exactly. Um, and then, uh, and I'll know more about that closer to the time. And then, sure. uh, obviously, Garth again in um, March in San Diego. And uh, if that works out the way we're expecting or hoping, you'll be flying out to join us and, uh, you mm-hmm. know, sit uh, possibly nearby. So, um, very, very action packed, jam packed, and uh, it's going to be fun. I'm really excited that uh, we get to do all this. And then at the end of March, I might be traveling out of state for more shows. But then that I have sworn off. You don't believe me. I don't because how many be times possible. have I heard this? But but I have sworn off of really sort of traveling too mm-hmm. much until after the first mm-hmm. couple three first quarter of the year is done. Mm-hmm. I have sworn off traveling too much until we go to Ireland and the UK and all that yeah, stuff. Not believing it. We, Mm-hmm. Not believing it. You, you I, can't help yourself. You just can't <laughs> help it. Look, you know, I, I, you're right. I can't help myself, but <laughs> I need to learn to, or else I'm going to drain my bank account way too quick. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. But, you know, you, <laughs> you have a system. It somehow works, but you're yeah. kind of rubbing off on me. Uh, and it's, rather irritating in some ways because <laughs> I don't like to jam everything in one at one time. When you come out in February, we're hitting Disney and I convinced you <laughs> we're going to do a hotel because I don't want to make multiple trips to LA, which you, yes. you want to look and at I some And I want to point out to our, to <sighs> our wonderful listeners. So this is what's happening. We have Garth on the fourth, but I'm flying out. I was going to fly out the second and I'm like, you know what? I'll fly out the second. How about the third? We drive down to we drive down to Anaheim and we do a day or so at you know I say or so meaning if we got there later a day at Disney. Well, through confluence of events that we won't go into here. First of all, the reason I wanted to fly out the second was so that if my flight gets bumped, as is happening right now with the shortages and weather, if my flight gets bumped and there's a problem um, out to Bakersfield, um, I have an extra day buffer. Right. Well, then I 
then we started planning our Disney trip and some other th the Disney day that we were going to do and some other opportunities around that came up that we thought, you know what, to really try to make sure we make this happen, why don't I come in on the first? And so now I'm coming in on the first, all of this for buffer time. Some things came up that now, you know, getting there at 11, 1130 isn't really going to give us the most time because we have the opportunity to do some other experiences that we ordinarily wouldn't have done if we were just doing a regular day there. Mm -hmm. So you called me and you, I started laughing in your face before you could even get it out because <laughs> when, when we were just going to do a day at Disney, you were like, I'm not staying in a hotel. Damn it. We're going to drive down there. We're going to go to a dude day and then we're going to come back. I'm like, okay, I didn't suggest it. <laughs> I know that, that you're, because you got to understand for me, a two hour drive, a two hour trip, that's a day trip into New York. That's a trip in at 10 in the morning where you get in, you get in, you leave around nine, you get in 10, 30, 11 o'clock, have lunch, go see your matinee or even your evening show and you're back by eight or 11, depending upon what kind of show you went to see. Yeah. Uh, midnight at the latest. So a two-hour drive, a two-hour trip somewhere and a back is is nothing to me. I understand with LA traffic and well, you don't drive traffic. Either. It's it's bad. No, I drive. I sit. I sit. I go on these road trips and I sit. Right. So I have the best. I have the best thing in the world because I don't have to drive. But I will say it does wear me out. I mean, look. When Thank I got you. To Thank you for realizing that Listen, happens. I didn't say it didn't, but like when I landed in, in Bakersfield that afternoon, it started to hit me about the time we were, we finished up taking a peek inside the Buck Owens Crystal Palace. Like, man, yeah, I've been in three states today. Yeah. Virginia, Virginia, a couple hours in Texas. Now I'm here. I think I want to rest. <laughs> so, you know, it, it, it started, it really, you know. Travel does wear you out whether you're the one operating the thing or not. Exactly. And so. and that was my argument because I came to the conclusion you you were looking at doing some things in LA the day before Disney. And looking, I wasn't committed. Uh, I was just like you, get me well, to a bus and I'll go. Well, the thing is is when you're looking you tend to commit rapidly. So, I uh, I decided, well, let's wait till the kid gets out of school, then we'll go down Wednesday, we'll just get a hotel and then we'll come back Thursday after Disney. And then Friday morning, the morning of Garth, you and I will right. head to Vegas. So that's what we're going to do. And so what we're going to do in Los Angeles is we're going to go to the last bookstore. Are there any music stores in Los Angeles that I should see? Well, yeah, Amoeba, uh, Amoeba, but nothing downtown that I know of. And I don't want to hit. Where's Amoeba? It's in Hollywood, but you have to understand <laughs> we're hitting Hollywood oh, and we're hitting downtown and traffic, all that, you know, is going to well, add look, I, time. I have no, this is how he and I talk, by the way, when we're not on, on the air. And I'll just say, I have no rush. I'm in no rush and I'll enjoy the trip. I, will I know enjoy... you're in no rush, but you don't have to drive. <clears throat> See, you say that and then we're going to end up doing everything. Well, anyway. we might. We might. And if we do, then okay, that's on me, and right? Then and then your treat for driving me is I will buy you and Jesse dinner at Musso and Frank. Well... I'm not going to commit to this on here because um, you're going to say I told you so. Right. Uh, we'll see what happens. Let's play it by ear. I'm kind of at the point where... I like spoiling him with good food. I well, like spoiling him with you, good food. You That's like what that I like to, to be... spend my money on. <laughs> but you like that to be, uh, I'm getting my way because I'm going to buy food. 
And um, I didn't say I wasn't benefiting. I didn't right. say it wasn't bribery. Well, I know, but um, I I don't know. We'll we'll play it by ear. I'm kind of at the mindset that yeah, we have this plan. We have buffer time. That's the whole point. But I I'm also not interested in spending rush hour traffic time in LA. You know, so we'll right. we'll play it by ear. We'll see what happens. We've got things. We got ideas. We'll see how it how the day goes because all of this a hundred percent of this trip both trips are weather dependent because being in the mountains or being above the mountains and then going through them to la even to vegas sometimes weather shuts those passes down and so if if push comes to shove we have to skip disney unfortunately we will head to um yes we will head to vegas a day early but i don't anticipate that'll happen so now that we've done our coffee talk and all the things that people are probably fast forwarding through i want to talk about a legend a gentleman who i think it's hard to say he's never really gotten his due because he's a country music hall of fame member i think he was or is well now it was Mm because you can't be a member of the opry and be be and have passed on um, but he was a member of the Opry, I believe. And if I'm wrong, somebody please email me, Matt at themusicuniverse.com, and, and correct me. I can tell you he was a member of the Country Music Hall of Fame, but I did not see Opry. He is. He will forever be right, a Country right. Music Hall of Fame member. This man is more of an inspiration to me uh, than than I think anybody in terms of what I want to do. Sure. Uh, in terms of what I want to do in broadcasting than, than anybody, and that is... Ralph Emery. I mean, you want to talk about, he was the Johnny Carson, Larry King mm-hmm. of country music, all wrapped up in one, classy, classy man, and one of the highlights of my career as somebody who interviews celebrities and legends was getting to talk to him on my other program, and we're going to run that interview here in a few minutes. I don't see that he was a member of the Grand Ole Opry because I believe that's just for musicians. But he was. No, it's not. Uh, it's not. It's okay. not. Well, he it's, was. Minnie Pearl was a member. Minnie Pearl well, was a member. She was a performer, though. He was an announcer at the Grand Ole Opry for a number of years. Yes. Yes. And actually, the gentleman who's there now has a voice that reminds me very much of what Ralph Emery sounded like in his in his heyday. And I got to say, even in his 80s, when I spoke to Mr. Emery, that timber is still there, and that memory, sharp as a tack. Yeah. Uh, we also talked about a mutual friend of ours who was still with us. At, I think he was still with us at the time, named Steve Hall. And Steve Hall, for those of you who are of the age to remember Nashville now, which was the flagship show on the Nashville network that Ralph Emery hosted, mm-hmm. Steve Hall was the puppeteer behind Shotgun Red. Yeah. And Steve Hall was just a, was just an amazing man uh, as well. Had Ralph to thank for his career, but also that little puppet, after Nashville now ended, took Steve to every county fair you could imagine, to success on YouTube, using the Shotgun Red name at, with a YouTube cooking channel, and to success as an entrepreneur. In fact, there was a, a fishing gadget that Steve had invented that my mom ordered for all the men in our family a few Christmases ago before he died. I think he passed on in 2019 and I interviewed Ralph in 2018 or 2017 and Steve, this is so cool. This was such a cool thing about Steve. Steve recognized four years later and and he and I had talked a couple of times. So I consider us that we were friends. 
uh, he recognized my name. We spent a day with him in 2015 in Nashville. And so when my mom ordered it, this is the kind of man Steve was. He, when my mom ordered, like, I think it was like three of these fishing, fishing gadgets that are really cool. I forget what they're called. And I think they're still available. But Steve recognized the Bailey name or knew about me and knew my mom and really liked my mom. And he said, and so when these things came to our house and I was home for Christmas by the time they arrived, she goes, wait, mm-hmm. there's one more here than there's supposed to be here. And I called Steve and I said, I said, Steve is Matt Bailey. I said, yeah. I said, I think you over, I think you sent one more than, than you meant to. He goes, no. He goes, I knew it was you guys. He said, and it cost me no more to ship one more than to just give you three. So threw, threw in an extra one. That's the kind oh, of nice. guy Steve Hall was. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Very, very cool guy. Very cool guy. Ralph Emery uh, called me. I wrote to him or to somebody who worked with him. And he called me personally to arrange the interview and wanted to know. And I never forget it. I was sitting on the sofa in the apartment I used to live in in New York. And and I was sitting on the sofa. And here's Ralph Emery calling me, asking me about what I do. And it, it just... The man, just, it, it's a great loss. I know he'd been retired, and I wanted to have him on this show, uh, just one more interview, because I knew I knew he probably wasn't long. I'd heard he'd been having some health issues, mm-hmm. and I wanted to talk to him f- one more time, and I called him. I called his house and left a message. They never called back, but, you know, I have that man's number in my phone because he called me first, so it's just, just an amazing kind gentleman and everything that what you see on air what you hope it would be in in real life so here is my interview with ralph emery ralph emery welcome it is an honor to have you how are you sir well i'm okay i uh, have a few medical problems but uh, we're working on those oh that's i'm glad to hear we got something called neuropathy Neuropathy. and uh, i'm going to have some tests for that where do you get it? Where do you where do Sorry? You, where in your body is the neuropathy? It's in my uh, it's in my legs. Yeah, particularly my right leg. Yeah, my mother has the exact same thing, so I know that all too well, and and I wish you well with it. Well, the reason we're here today is to talk about your career, and one of the things oh. I've always been so curious about is when were you first exposed to country music? Well. Uh... I lived with my grandparents because my mother and father divorced when I was about four or five. And uh, my grandfather, Fuquay, my mother's people, I lived with them, and they loved the Grand Ole Opry and always listened to it on Saturday night. And uh, I loved them and I loved the radio. I always loved the radio. So anyway... Uh, I found my baby book, and unfortunately I found it after my mother passed away because there were some things in it that I would have included in my book, including, uh, it says, uh, name the baby's favorite radio station, and it said WSM. And so I imagine... uh, I I came to like country music 
at a very, very early age. Wonderful. That is that is so cool. And what age did you start in radio? I know your journey eventually. I started radio when I was 18. Wow. What station? Uh, WTPR in Paris, Tennessee. Your Dixie neighbor. Yes. And you were close to the age I am now when you started at that favorite station of yours, WSM. Yes. I worked at a number of radio stations before I got to WSM. I started at WTPR in Paris, Tennessee. I then moved to Nashville to WNAH. From there, I moved to Franklin, Tennessee at WAGG. From there, I moved to, these are the AM days before FM. I moved to WSIX in Nashville as the morning man. From there, I moved to Baton Rouge, Louisiana. WLCS, the number one station there, they heard about my work and offered me a job with more money, and so I went down there for about a month. And I got a call from another radio station in Nashville, and WMAK, and they said, uh, uh, why'd you go to Baton Rouge? I said, for more money. They said, what are they paying you? I said, they're paying me a hundred and a quarter a week. Now, we're talking about money as it was related in the 50s. It was worth a lot more. Mm-hmm. Anyway, they said, well, we'll pay you the same thing if you'll come back to Nashville. So I came back to Nashville to WMAK, and by now it is uh, 1956, and uh, I... Uh, I'm not going to go into all the circumstances, but WSN had an opening for their all-night disc jockey position. And I, uh, WSN had a lot of my broadcasting heroes on it. And I, uh, anyway, uh, I went up and applied for the job. And the way they auditioned you, they put you on the air for a week. And if they liked you, uh, they would uh, hire you. And if they didn't care for you, uh, they would tell you. Well, I went and worked my week. And uh, then I went back to whatever else I was doing. And I got a call uh, a couple of days later asking if I would like to come to WSM full time, and uh, this would have been uh, the fall of uh, 1957, I guess it was. So uh, I began uh, working on this 50,000-watt radio station that was heard over most of the United States, and I was 24 years old. What was really interesting about that job uh, it had no commercials when I first took it. Hmm. Uh, and uh, anyway, they had some PSAs. You know what a PSA is. Absolutely, yes. Public service. <laughs> and so they had this book with these PSAs, and then they had the log, and I ran my own equipment. Anyway, they did not tell me to read these PSAs or when to read them. 
So you said, if you happen to read one of these, write it down on the log when you did it. And here I am, 24 years old, turned loose on one of the biggest radio signals in America, mm -hmm. and uh, given complete autonomy. Wow. That's really and cool. As I look back on that, I think that would never happen today. No, it wouldn't. It wouldn't. So did you read any of those PSAs? Did you, would you go Oh, yeah. Them? Every once in a while. Uh, if, the, if the notion struck me. And then I, uh, I set up a system of uh, an open-door policy. If you came by the radio station, you could come on in. And if you made records, uh, sit down for an interview, and I would interview you and play your record. And uh, it helped to make the long night from 10 at night till 5 in the morning. It helped the long night to go faster. And I've made a lot of friends that way and met, I met most of the talent of that era. Absolutely. And I'm sure you met a lot of people on that show specifically that were up and coming that, that made it really big in country music and then later saw you on Nashville Now. Well, yeah, that's a sh short sum summary. Mm -hmm. uh, in 1963, uh, they liked my voice, and so they put me on. They, WSM had a television station, mm -hmm. and uh, they really had nothing to lead, and we were an NBC station, and had nothing to lead into the Today Show. So they put me on to build a show uh, preceding the Today Show. And uh, I did that for quite a while. I did it twice. I, I did it uh, from 63 to about 68, and then they put me on in the afternoon. And I did that for oh, a year or so. And uh, then they took me off the afternoons and decided to fold that show, mm -hmm. and which was okay with me. I took the job. Well, I, I continued my all-night show, and I got a job in New York for a company called Cinevox, and they were a syndicator. And uh, they had a good friend in Nashville named Jack Stapp. Jack Stapp was the founder of Tree International Music, one of the world's largest publishing companies. And Jack, uh, they asked Jack who he would recommend to come to New York and record once a week uh, my syndicated radio show, which they, they, well, first of all, I had to go to New York and then meet these people. Mm -hmm. And they seemed to like me. And uh, they said, Mr. Stapp thinks a lot of you and uh, thinks you would work out beautifully for us, so we're offering you the job. And uh, so I kept that for about uh, almost two years, and then the fellow who was putting up all the money for this new company, the syndicator, had a heart attack and died, and with him died the company. That's a shame. And uh, so I'm still doing uh, all night radio. 
And uh, there was a syndicator in Nashville called Showbiz. And Showbiz syndicated television and radio. And they built the Porter Wagoner Show, which was the most popular syndicated uh, country music show of its era. Had a young girl named Dolly Parton on it. <laughs> yep. And uh, anyway, uh, Showbiz... Uh, decided I could go to work for them uh, doing syndicated radio, country music. And uh, in Nashville, it was, it was a little different than in New York. I had access to all these stars, and I would have a country music star on each week. Mm-hmm. And uh, we would tape the interview part and pretend to play the records and uh, when the taping session was over, the engineer would mix the music in just as if he had done it while we were there. So uh, I was back in radio syndication again and then in 1963 and uh, WSM Television offered me, I got distracted. Anyway, they offered me the position of doing a show ahead of the Today Show on television. Mm -hmm. And uh, met a lot of country music stars that way. Is that the morning show that Steve Hall crashed? What's the question? I said, is that the morning show that Steve Hall crashed with Shotgun Red? Oh, no, that came much later. The uh, This show was called Opry Star Spotlight. Or, no, it's called, it was called the Ralph Emery Show. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I had, uh, what they did, they made a deal with the Musicians Union and taped 10 songs with about 20 different uh, grand old Opry stars, and I had a video library. I was a video jack, and uh, and didn't have any budget for any live music until about two years later, when I finally got sick of those tapes, playing them over and over, and I talked them into letting me have a band, and uh, that show ultimately became the number one show in Nashville. And uh, it uh, was the highest rated locally produced television shows among those shows that preceded the Today Show all around America. We were the highest rated uh, introduction to the Today Show. That's incredible. I think that speaks to the popularity and staying power of country music. Yes. You said the morning show that Steve Hall crashed came much later. So I'm curious how many different morning shows you hosted before. Well, I did that show twice. I uh, I told you that uh, mm-hmm. they put me on the afternoon and then ultimately the, folded that show, I guess because of uh expenses 
anyway, in uh, 1971 or two, I got a call from Channel 4 asking me if I would come back and do the morning television show again. It had kind of gone down the tubes. Didn't have any ratings. I said, you know, I've done that before, and uh, I'm not all that interested in doing it again. Uh, they've always been nice to me. I said, tell you what, I'll do it for a year, and so surely in a year you can find somebody to do it on a regular basis. So they said, okay. And so that year ran on for all of the 70s, the 80s, and part of the 90s. It ran on for almost 30 years. Meantime, in uh, 1983, they created the Nashville Network. Mm -hmm. And uh, because I was used to doing live television, they hired me to host the key show on that network called Nashville Now. And uh, so I was now doing two daily live TV shows, one in the morning for Channel 4 and one at night, same day, on uh, the Nashville Network. So I was busy. How did you find the energy to do it? I mean, how did you... It was I was sleeping in ships, <laughs> and uh, I was a workaholic, and it was difficult. Uh, what you're asking me, how, is, how did I find the energy... Uh, I just did. I wanted very much. To, I wanted the money, number one. Mm -hmm. I've got a family, and uh, I did it for the money. Turned you into a legend, sir, if I may say. Uh, you you made a lot of people's careers in country music. Well, I, I, had a, I had a lot of fun, too. I worked with some great people and with a lot of country music stars. And with those two shows, I met and interviewed just about all of them. It's amazing. I'm curious what your advice is to somebody that wants to get into broadcasting, that wants to have a career and host many shows like you did. What would you say to them? Well, first of all, there is a huge myth that there's a lot of money in broadcasting, that you're going to get in broadcasting and get rich. That's not true. Particularly when you start there are not any uh, high-paying jobs. Mm -hmm. You have to work your way up to those. And uh, so you have to be willing to make a sacrifice. My first radio job paid me $45 a week, and after taxes, thirty-nine fifty oh, wow. a week. And uh, from there, I went on to better things and more money. But it took a while. Mm -hmm. So I would say you got to have a lot, a lot of patience and uh, equip yourself with as much knowledge about your subject as you can. And that's the, one of the reasons I, I, I became sort of famous for my interviews. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's kind of like going to college 101 
learning all about country music by talking to the stars. It's amazing, and and it shows, and especially with Nashville now, the last thing I want to ask you about is a story that Steve Hall told me just yesterday, that they were going to destroy the Nashville Now library when Spike TV bought the Nashville Network, and you jumped in and saved those shows. Well, sort of. <laughs> You're giving me too, way too much credit. <laughs> I had a manager, and uh, he was also a lawyer, and he had been one of President Kennedy's uh, secret service men. And uh, he managed a number of country music stars, like Reba, and Reba star, <laughs> and some others. And uh, he took me on. And when uh, Nashville now, and he... he did my contract with TNN. Mm -hmm. Anyway, when uh, TNN was over, uh, we heard that CBS bought TNN for over a billion, that's with a B, billion dollars. Wow. And the people used to say, why'd they sell it? I said, well, Mr. Gaylord, who owned it, they offered him a billion dollars. Wouldn't you have sold it for, for that price? Anyway, CBS did not have a cable system, so they bought TNN, and it became the CBS cable system. We heard by the grapevine, I'm not sure how we heard this, but we heard that the lawyers who were advising the people who bought TNN to get rid of all those tapes, uh, cost you too much money to store them, and you don't need them. Nobody wants to see them. It's just that old country music. And uh, there's no value to us. Hmm. So, anyway, long story short, my manager, being a lawyer, went to their lawyers and uh, reminded them that storing all those tapes, over 10 years worth of tapes, and remember, it was five nights a week. Yeah. And uh, storing all those tapes cost them a lot of money. And they could get a wonderful tax write-off if they would give those tapes to the Country Music Association and to the Country Music Foundation, the home of the Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. So, long story short, we worked out a deal whereby the people who owned the tapes, we talked them into giving them to the Hall of Fame, and that's where they reside today. That is an amazing story, one of many shared by a legend uh, in country music and in broadcasting. And uh, I think, uh, I just, I really admire your work. You inspire me as an interviewer, and uh, you inspire a generation. So, Mr. Ralph Emery, thank you so much for your time here today. I loved TNN growing up, mm -hmm. uh, watching the country news shows like Crook and Chase and Primetime Country and all those because they were informative. They, they weren't necessarily live, and in some cases they were, but it gave you that one-on-one -on -one artist interaction that you strive to get, or you get that mm -hmm. Entertainment Tonight style news show, but only country Tonight music. Tonight show, yeah. Yeah. Yep. So... Very, uh, very entertaining uh, network, and I was sad when it went away, and I know Ralph was 
you know, among those that launched it. I know in 1983 mm-hmm. is when he started hosting Nashville Now. And uh, it, this show, you know, just brought new stars and country legends and a relaxing setup. So uh, that was cool. Um, did you know, though, that in 2007 he had returned to TV hosting Ralph Emery Live on RFD? I had heard that, yes, um, because Steve also had a show on RFD at the time as well. Uh, which was the Shotgun Red Variety Show, mm-hmm. and it it was a it was really cool. RFD again. I don't want to misspeak, and RFD folks, you can get in touch with me. RFD has an element to their business that is pay to play. So mm-hmm. the way Steve would would do it is, I actually think he bought the airtime, and what he would do is the acts would actually pay him to be on the show to get in front of those audiences. And then that would be, so it's like you buy the airtime if you're a performer. Right. So they would buy the airtime, he would air them, but then Shotgun Red would interview him a little bit, they'd plug their stuff, and it, was, and it would get in front of the exact perfect audience. So, you know, I'm, I'm generally against your pay-to-play type models, but I actually considered it with Steve because um, he was in the right spot. So, yeah. And I, I wonder if Ralph's show was not the same way. So Could have been. Um, now, did you know this, uh, that uh, Ralph Emery actually gave early exposure to Lori Morgan and the Judds? Yes, I did. Yep. Yes, I did. He was, he was very interested in making sure more females in country music got exposure. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. 100%. And, he, and as far as we know, he did it with, and I'm certain, and I would stand by this statement today, he, he did it without being a creep or expecting right. anything creepy in return. The man was a stand-up guy, as as good and as solid as they come. And that, that says it with all the uh, musician tributes and some even DJ, VJ people, some radio, TV people sharing uh, stuff throughout social media, and I'm sure there'll be more. Yeah, there'd be no Bobby Bones. There'd be no Bobby Bones. Right. There'd be no The Highway. There'd be no Garth Channel, if not for Ralph Emery. None of this. I'm telling you. Because, um, you know, he was inducted into the Country Music Disc Jockey Hall of Fame, which I didn't know about, Mm -hmm. in 1989. And then 2007 was inducted into the Country Music Hall of Fame. I'm not seeing anything about him being an Opry member. uh, But he did. He did uh, announce for it from 61 to 64. Cool. Very cool, very very cool. I didn't even know that. I gotta, I gotta find my WSM book somewhere and, and read it. Oh, absolutely. But, he was in that too, uh, or he he went to radio to be on there as well, uh, and mm-hmm. he was on overnight. He was doing a morning show, a a Nashville now, and then a rate and then radio. Show. There was a time when he had like five or six shows. Oh. He was sort of the country music Tom Bergeron. You know, the name of yeah. Tom Bergeron's memoir is he's, I'm hosting as fast as I can. And Tom <laughs> Bergeron would go from Hollywood Squares to Dancing with the Stars to America's Funniest Home Videos, I think Tom did for a time. Um, he did, yeah, he did. He, yeah, he succeeded yeah. the late Bob Saget. The late Bob Saget. Man. And, you know, that's what I want to say about 22. I, I have to say, I don't agree with the mentality of, oh, let's blame the year, da, 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 like we did with 2016 with all the people, like the Carrie Fisher and the Debbie Reynolds. Yeah, and 2020 is the reason we have COVID. <laughs> right, in 2020, well, we have COVID. That is a little <laughs> different. But all of these folks who are passing on because of non-COVID-related issues, let's not get in the mindset and blame the year. 
statistically, I'm sure it's right in line with how many people are supposed to pass or are mm-hmm. going to pass in a year. It just sucks when it's a name we all know. And that's what's horrible here. Uh, yeah. Ralph Emery was an amazing, amazing human being, an inspirational broadcaster, um, and just so much fun. So much fun to be around. You know, like I said, I used to watch those shows and always imagined I would be on them as a performer. And then, you know, mm-hmm. the last 10 years I've been uh, doing this. And, uh, you know, it's... Uh, Really cool to, to see all that. Really cool to see all that. But I do want to say, because uh, this is uh, going to air right before our ninth anniversary, we turn nine years old on January 24th. Ooh. The site. How does the, it feel to be a third grader? <laughs> well, uh, to relive it for the third time, if you count my daughter's... Uh, my daughter being yeah. in third grade um, feels great. You know, nine years of doing this and the constant growth we've had, the, the celebrities we've had, whether they've been on this show or, you know, in our infancy in, in some form is absolutely wonderful. This is great. And we couldn't do it without all you guys. And, you know, Matt, you being a part of this for the last too many years to count five years, I guess. Five years. Five years. Five. And uh, oh God, we're going on six. Uh, we just hit five in November, going yeah. on six. Yeah. So all the uh, craziness you got me into in the past couple of years with all the traveling, and uh, just you know wanting to cover shows, covering countless concerts. That's kind of your thing, and I kind of stick with the news and then the concerts that uh, I think I'm going to enjoy, and um, it's. It's just a blast to do this, and you know who knows how long this will continue. But uh, I enjoy doing it. I know you enjoy doing it. You enjoy getting me into uh, non-comfort zones and heading to Vegas on a whim, or heading to San Diego, which that was my idea, and heading to travel Garth overseas, which was something I never thought I'd do unless I was playing with them. Well, for the Music Universe podcast, I'm Matt. And down, buddy, hit that like, subscribe, and share button, and be sure to check us out at themusicuniverse.com and at tmupod.com. Take care. (laughs) 